With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With the Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. When we made our McDonald's spicy chicken McNuggets, you were praise hands emoji. Then we ran out and you were streaming tears emoji. Now they're back, so you can be grinning face with sweat emoji. Order ahead on the McDonald's app. Break out the party hat emoji, because a six-piece spicy chicken McNuggets is just $2.50. And if that's not enough, try a spicy McCrispy or a spicy deluxe McCrispy. And if that's not enough, there's always the sauce. Price and participation may vary. Hello and welcome to Question Time. I'm your host, Ben, and on this week's podcast, we're going to be going through a load of questions, which many of you have asked through Twitter, Patreon, various other ways. Um, and we're going to finally get to some of those questions that we haven't really got around to answering across the course of this year. First of all, though, uh, this week is Gamescom. So there's actually gameplay of FIFA 20 in the public domain. Now, we're obviously not at Gamescom, but Steve, we've been watching Gamescom extremely closely and have been uh, taking a lot of notes on what the gameplay is like. We might have also played the beta. And so I guess it's a chance for us to give our thoughts on what we've seen so far. Yeah, I think it's gone some way towards validating our initial opinions um, that, that FIFA 20 is something to be optimistic about and that perhaps a lot of problems with FIFA 19 won't be evident in FIFA 20. And... To some extent, I think, you know, I, I stand by what I said previously, that, that it looks in a lot of ways like FIFA 20 is is almost a, a fully patched version of FIFA 19, which I think is is a good thing. I think it uh, it lends some stability. I think people can kind of, when they when they first load up FIFA 20, they'll have a certain sense of familiarity with it from, from uh, this year's game. And... I think that, yeah, all the arrows seem to be pointing up at this stage, but obviously long way to go between uh, what we're seeing at Gamescom and the, the final release product that we'll get towards the end of September. Yeah, we'll go into gameplay tips ahead of launch a bit more, I think, further down the line. So I don't want to uh, go over stuff we're going to talk about anyway, but 
there are some really significant changes you'll be able to see from the off, I think. Although, as you as you say, it's had a lot of the flaws of FIFA 19 ironed out. Uh, you know, the, the mechanic abuse, you're not going to see all those kind of things. In terms of the actual gameplay from a sort of broader sense, there are some, I think, big changes to the dynamic in some yeah. ways, like manual tackling, aggressive tackling is, is much more effective than it used to be. And I'd also say that my one concern is that you'll see a lot more counter-attacking. Right. Through balls, from what I've seen, seem much more effective. Finding the gaps between players and playing it over the top seems much more effective. And there's more of a pace differential now between uh, fast players and slower players. And my concern, which is just a concern at this stage, is that potentially we might see a little bit of a regression in terms of a counter-attacking style being most prevalent, which wasn't necessarily actually the case this year, I would say. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Going back to your your, your earlier point there, that um, that defending is looks more rewarding um, based on Gamescom. I should add, um, if if people can't defend, if if they're used to relying on the AI defending, which people have relied on so heavily in the last probably the last couple of years, actually, they, they're going to struggle. So I think that the skill has been brought back to defending perhaps on the other side of the coin though i would say that actually dribbling is harder than it once was yeah from how it looks at the moment and maybe that could change this is just one build you know you're still going to expect some changes to the gameplay heading into the release and also actually you know we do tend to get quite an early patch to the game so as we said in our last podcast this is always a bit of a movable feast at this stage but i think what we're saying is, from what we have seen, the groundwork is very much there for a better, more balanced game than FIFA 19. Definitely. I, th- I think what we're looking at really is perhaps a more rewarding game where the the user can perhaps feel more engaged with the gameplay and that their inputs are having a more direct effect on the on the outcomes that they're seeing on their, on their screen or monitor. Yeah. Yep, yep. And so what we've asked is for you all to submit questions that we haven't got to over the course of the year but also your squads that you've come to, sort of end game squads. Um, FIFA 19, very much on the way out now. And I guess we're in that kind of transition phase now where we're really looking towards FIFA 20. So this made a lot of sense. And also we just thought, you know, we're coming to the end of a cycle. It's a nice chance for Steve and I to, you know, crack open a beer in the morning and just uh, you know chat about our thoughts on the, the game this year and also your thoughts through these questions. So why don't we get into the first question? The first question, actually, they've broken down their squad quite significantly um this is from wesley chatham but what he's done is he's kind of gone through his squad picked out who his most valuable players are things like that and i thought this would be quite a good question to sort of ask us about our teams as well because a lot of you were interested in how we'd ended the game and and what our teams were as well so and because of the way he's sort of laid out this question i won't go through this quite itself but it's in four one two one two brackets two a common formation throughout this his most valuable player is Rude Hullet. Steve, who would you say has been your sort of most valuable um, player this year? Okay, that's a, a tricky one uh, because I've used so many players this year and a lot of the, the players that are now in my endgame squad are just players that I've, I've recently acquired. Based on the squad that I've got now, I'd have to say that I'm, I'm using base Eusebio, who has been absolutely lethal for me. And mm-hmm. I recently acquired Prime Vieira, who's also doing damage in midfield. Over the entire Game cycle, I think the card that I'd say has been the most surprising, surprisingly useful has been Juan Jesus. Never, never used mm. his base card. 
did use his foot swap card, which I thought was incredibly OP. And I'm mm. using his footies card in the uh, in my endgame squad. And it's just a really mm-hmm. excellent defensive card. Solid, um, wins tackles as much as is possible in FIFA 19. Nothing gets by him. He's there to intercept long balls. Solid in the air. Great card. Mm. Love it. So for me personally, my MVP probably for the first half of the year was Memphis Depay's SBC card because I just got him into so many squads. He's a really good card. He's really strong. He's got the skills. The three-star weak foot's probably the only bad thing. Slight lack of composure, uh, but was phenomenal. And then once the game, you kind of caught up with him. He wasn't so effective. It was about the time that I did the Hullet SBC and that card is fantastic. And last year I did R9. He was decent. I kind of regretted it a bit. The thing about Hullet is he has a really unique card in the game. There are just no other players like him. And for that reason, I think he was well worth doing over R9 at that point. And so for the other things that he's asked, Rookie of the Year is quite a good one. So he's a card that you haven't used in the past, but you've used this year and, and you've been really impressed with. He's put Zhao Cancelo. I think I'd probably also say Zhao Cancelo. Actually, I've also used his team of the season and his informs previously. And yeah, he's just the perfect base for a right back, I think. So I'd definitely go for him. And um, yeah, Steve, who would you go for? in terms of Rookie of the Year? Who would I go for as Rookie of the Year? The, a card that I've never really used that I've found to be excellent, but it's probably just because it's the team of the season version, is Lewandowski. He's just mm. been absolutely clinical for me. Great attack mm. positioning, great finishing. You can do all of the finishes, whether you're playing, whether you're hitting a low driven or a finesse or a, you know just a, a timed power shot. Good in the air. Uh, and yeah, I, as I say, I've never really used his base card that much, so I don't really have a a, a reference point outside mm. of his team of the season. But um, yeah, as, as a card that I've never really used before, he'd be in there. Uh, it's difficult because, I, I mean, I, I've got um, team of the season Virgil van Dijk in there. Again, I've never really used him, but his team of the season mm. card is just absolutely tremendous, as I'm sure anybody who has it knows or anybody yeah, yeah. who's come up against it. Yeah, and then he's also asked for most goals and most assists. I find this... I mean, I could have a player who's got most goals and assists, and it's probably that SPC Depay. But towards the end, obviously, he wasn't the best player in my club or whatever. Yeah. And I don't know who has the most goals actually in my current squad. I think it's actually quite spread out. But let's let's talk about those squads we're using right now and what we've ended the game with. A lot of people wrote in actually and said, you know, this is the best squad that I've ever had in a foot. And I think that's perhaps unsurprising with the caliber of special cards upgrades we've seen this year. And the fact that the market crashed quite a lot because they re-released Team of the Seasons back into packs again. And that's certainly true for me. The lineup I've got, uh, mainly player false nine. We've got Mbappe on the left wing, Ronaldo, uh, the 96 SBC in the middle, and then the other Ronaldo at right wing, um, Hullet as the left centre mid, and Retzka as the CDM. But then I've got actually got Royce playing as the right centre midfielder. I've got anchor on him. I basically was looking pretty much all year for a player who could play out wide and in a sort of attacking central midfield role. And he really is the perfect player for that, actually. Got really solid defensive stats, low 80s with an anchor chem style. Uh, And then at the back, I've got Mendy, left back, probably one of the better left backs in the game, although Alexandro is probably defensively stronger. Kimbembe, how do you say his name? Kimbembe? Kimbembe? No, we'll we'll go with that and just leave that bit in. It's fine, Ben. He's left-footed. Honestly, that footy's that footy's Kim is probably the best 
centre-back that's not Van Dijk in the game. And I'm not even joking. He, I mean, Juan Jesus actually probably has a, a shout as well. But the thing about Kimbepe is he's very solid on the ball. And that Van Dijk, the other centre-back spot is fantastic. And then Cancelo at right back, the team of the season version, is really outstanding as well. The only bad thing about this team is having Alisson in mm. goal. He's not particularly good. And then that yeah concludes the first team. And, and it's ridiculous. This, the fitness team, I'll just run through it quickly, that I've ended up with here has been crazy. I mean, quite lucky-ish with my foot champs cards, although not incredibly lucky compared to some people. With So in the, in the fitness team, I've got Depay, Ibrahimovic, Footies Alessandrini. Um, I'm using Hullet and Ronaldo again. And then the team of the season, Benzema is a foot champs card. Alexandro, the flashback card. Edem Militao, who I got in an upgrade SPC. And then Marquinhos and Lala as well. And Edison in goal. And honestly, like if I'd ended the game with a fitness squad, I probably would have been happy. Yeah. So <laughs> it is absolutely mental, the quality of team that people have been able to build this year. And also the variety of cards that you can have and are usable is really, really good, I think. Um, but yeah, Steve, how's, how's that first team looking? I know it's... Um, you, you feel like you maybe commit too early to SPC, so you weren't able to kind of rack up the super duper end game team. But actually, your team looks really competitive. Yeah, it's, it's pretty strong. Um, I tweeted out uh, just a short while ago actually that it's, a, it's the strongest team that I've ever finished a, a FIFA with. I did probably mm. hamstring myself a bit with those SBCs. Um, I think all in all, I've actually come to regret doing the flashback Rabio SBC more than Sturridge. So um, Sturridge is mm. no longer the uh, LVP, least valuable player of the year. But yeah, there's, there's a lot of crossover, I think, between our squads, um, certainly with your fitness squad. I also have team of the season, Allison in goal, and I share your views there. Not the most reliable, but he does make some saves that perhaps you wouldn't expect him to. So that, that kind of makes up yeah. for some of the shortcomings. Then uh, right back, I have team of the season, Alexander-Arnold, um, basically there for, for Kem with Van Dijk at centre-back. Uh, the other centre-back is, as I mentioned earlier, footies Juan Jesus. Love that card. Left-back, flashback, Alexandro, Alexandro. Yeah, what a card he is, actually. I mean, I didn't really mention him that much, but I did point out I think he's definitely the best defensive left-back, probably in the history of foot. I mean, yeah. he's just... I think you could argue that his um, his ability to intercept passes is is second to none. Um, I've never ha- actually tried him as a CDM, but I'd imagine if you could move him there um, in game, he'd he'd be an absolute monster yeah. of a CDM. I bring him on as a sub actually in the main team as a defensive midfielder sometimes. Yeah, really I can imagine it. that. I mean, I play a four four two, so the two central midfielders would be Footy's Condogbia, which is an absolutely amazing card to to get for free. And I know a lot mm. of people I have preferred him to to Prime Hullet. Um, I've never used Prime Hullet, so I mm. can't really say. But he's um, as, as far as central midfielders go, I've, I've probably not used a better one this year. He's certainly up there with with my other central midfielder, which is Prime Vieira. Out wide, I've got end of an era Ribery. Oh, what a card! Uh, it's so much fun, just weaves in and out. And with the five star skills, you know, there's 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 nothing you can't do with that card, really. Apart from score headers, apart from, well, yeah, far post crosses are not going to be uh, not going to be a thing with Ribery. No. <laughs> um, which you can't say the same thing for Alessandrini on the right. Um, Footy's Alessandrini. I've scored one or two headers with him, actually. Not the biggest, but his, mm. uh, he seems to get up there for them. And then the uh, the two strikers, team of the season, Lewandowski and base Eusebio. And they've just scored tons of goals for me. Mm. The, thing, the thing that um, sort of stands yeah, out to me from this team, and I, I think, um, you know, I'd like to give a shout out to the content guys this year. There are three great cards in there. Juan Jesus, Condogbia and Alessandrini which are phenomenal mm. cards and 
you know, I've just their cards that I've unlocked through doing objectives. Um, so it's great to have those mm. sort of players in an end game team. Um, and just to yeah, to, yeah, to go definitely. back to the, um, the the top scorer, it's still Ibrahimovic with me, but that's mainly from uh, from the mm. days of abusing the crossing meta. Yeah, sorry, I don't know what I'm talking about. Ibrahimovic is definitely my top scorer. I don't know why I said that <laughs> earlier. Yeah, Ibrahimovic has like six or seven hundred goals for me. But yeah, I think it's been great in terms of the content. The other thing is the variety of players allowing you to play pretty varied formations fairly effectively. What I really like about the team that I've got going at the end here with that Royce flexibility, with the fact that Mendy can play as a sort of a left midfielder rather than just a left back at times, means that I can switch into uh, the three at the back formation quite yeah. easily to play against narrow formations. I can use this false nine formation, but I can just as easily drop R9 into Cam, Ronaldo up front, Mbappe is one of the wide players. Royce is the other wide player. Gretzka and Hullet holding. It's, it's got a huge amount of flexibility, which I think you need these kind of high caliber, multifaceted players, I guess, to, to really be able to do that at the end of the game when, you know, people have got super teams with four players who are exceptionally good attackers and two players who are exceptionally good holding midfielders. In order to compete with that and be able to play different formations, you need really well-rounded players. And that hasn't always been possible. So I think it's been a real positive about this year. And uh, we do actually have a quick question from um, Foot Economist who I was chatting to the other day. I was telling him about this episode and he said he had a question I'm for I'm a Steve. little worried about this, Ben, because all <laughs> I can see on, on the notes that I've got is a question from Foot Economist saying, is it true, Steve, dot, dot, dot. And my fear is that you've... Yeah, it's not as bad as... Okay, it, it just it feels like you've somehow hit it for some reason. Is. Yeah, he, he, he said... I don't know where he got this from. I think a Twitter follower, maybe? I don't know. He said, is it true that you're 68? 68? No, it's not true that I'm 68. Can you give us a ballpark? Like, you know, if you're filling out an age category, <laughs> um, aged between um, 84 and 95. Between um, 40 and 90. Oh, so 68. Well, it's, I'm not ruling it out. I'm not outright denying it. Well, no, no, I'm not 68, but it's, it's yeah. around there. You are under 50, aren't you? <laughs> yes, I'm under 50. Pretty vague about that, but that's good. Let's keep, let's keep the mystery going. Maybe people can send in their guesses. So yeah, it's a bit of a, a, bit of a cheeky one from uh, Jamie there. But, uh, yeah, okay. I, I, I can't be too mad at that. There's been plenty of times where I've jumped into uh, into Jamie's streams over this year and uh, caused as much of a nuisance as I possibly could myself. So uh, yeah, all's fair. Fair enough, Jamie. <laughs> GG. Right, let's get into something. A question that's uh, maybe a little bit more um, serious. Tenacious C asks, what is the biggest issue slash gameplay mechanic, excluding server connections, input lag stuff that frustrates you about FIFA 19? It's stuff that we've covered quite comprehensively throughout mm. the year, I guess, really. The, the problems with defending, where you don't feel like you're rewarded with a tackle, the mm. the abuse of El Tornado crossing. Blimey, there are, I'm trying to cast my mind back to all of the problems with FIFA 19 because there have been quite a few. Players playing A passes as through balls. Yep. The, um, a or X passes The as assisted balls. passing entirely, yep. Um, defenders being nutmegged all the time. The, the, there are quite a few. And, and actually he says, what is the biggest change to gameplay that you would like to see in FIFA 20? I would like to see all of the previously mentioned things fixed <laughs> yeah i think that is a good baseline for a new yeah. game you know just not having those kind of exploits right so we've got another team here from pace of a tortoise i guess there are a lot of teams you see with the likes of mbappe and um ronaldo and things like that and he hasn't quite gone that op meta um, with this one but he has got the likes of son um he's got uh, maldini hollett Vieira. Roberto Firmino and Havertz. Um, Havertz is actually a pretty popular yeah. one. And he also had a second account with a squad, which he was saying is a bit less meta. But it did have a, it did have a Ramos 
his 95 rated card, la la, and he had a, the team of the season and foot birthday and Mbappe. So it was a, mm. still a pretty strong squad, even if it's slightly pretty meta to me, Ben. Yeah. So, and the, the first team is really interesting. A couple of different players in there. He's actually got team of the year, Van Dyke, which is a player you don't see so often. Maldini, quite a few people did his moments. I actually, he's kind of awkward. He's a bit of a chem style nightmare. So, although I'm sure he is excellent, I feel like. There's definitely better ways to spend your money, but there may not be better ways to get rid of untradeables. So, right, um, let's get to some more questions. Two left foot, he only started playing the game just before Team of the Season started. So his right, squad's wow. pretty strong considering yeah. he's got the likes of uh, Team of the Season Sancho, Team of the Season Yangalan. Uh, he's got Witzel, Hazard, a nice little kind of Belgium link up, which I really like. Uh, he's got Kimmich on the right, and Rijkaard at centre-back, David Luiz, and we've got Robertson as well at left back. And then also in terms of his questions, he's asking, Steve, do you have a formation slash setup you recommend when you hit that kind of inevitable bad connection, laggy game? Do you switch to something defensive? Do you change your play style at all? I think that the thing to do really my go-to when I'm in that kind of situation is to just simplify things. You just want to be relying on simple, short passing, nothing too extravagant, nothing too risky. And I think it's also important to have width. I mean, this is this is going back to something that we discussed mm. right at the beginning of the year when uh, people were having problems dealing with heavy pressing in a bad connection. I think it's important mm. to always have that out ball where you can hit the um, the chipped through ball out to the wings. 4-3-3 maybe. Um, my preference is I, I, I've kind of, as the game's developed, I've, I've come to the conclusion that the best all-round formation, certainly for my play style, is the 4-4-2. So I'd, I'd quite happily play that, but I think the uh, the key thing, and I think that any any pro player really would would um, certainly back this up. Keep it simple. Um, don't don't do anything that you don't need to do. Just look after possession as much as you can, um, because obviously your opponent they may have an advantage. They may have a, a slightly better connection than you. So you want to keep the ball away from them as as much as you can. Um, so yeah, keep it simple. Look after possession and. Uh, Make sure you take the chances when they come. Yeah, and then he asks um, what are the core skill moves that every FIFA player should know. I actually want to wait because I think we'll discuss gameplay ahead of FIFA 20. We'll probably talk about this. There are a few skill moves which are looking helpful at the moment, but I think we want to discuss that with a bit more knowledge. And he also asks what chemistry style, Steve, do you use on your chickens? Pork I haven't had enough notice of this question to think of a witty answer. <laughs> I sent you the notes on time. I'd expect oh, you to right, go through okay. you know, pull up a witty oh, answer. If that's on me, then fair um, enough. It's... I imagine hawk is quite dangerous for chickens. Either I can't way, imagine so. it would be great. Um, no. Um, well, so you don't really want to increase their speed, do you? Because that would just make them harder to catch if you want to pick them up. Well, I don't really have much occasion to catch them, really. I mean, um, Shadow would be a bit concerning. She's had like a shadow chicken. <laughs> like, really. So a little mini break to announce the winner of the EA Access 12-month code presented by the EA Game Changers Network is Ryan Darby. Drop an email again, just so I don't ruin the surprise, by emailing you before you've listened to the podcast. Hope you enjoy playing FIFA 20 early and all the other benefits. Right, plenty more of your questions in part two. Hunter, believe us, Steve, since you've been coaching, what are some of the most common mistakes slash habits you see people doing in, in defence? Okay, this is something that I saw far too much of on a recent coaching session, actually. Probably the biggest, well, there's the two big mistakes, really, probably equally as bad as each other. People tend to overuse the standing tackle. I always mm. advise people that they should only really be pressing standing tackle if they're at least, at least 80% certain that they've got a good chance of coming away with the ball. Quite often people tend to do it out of desperation. 
and all that it achieves is that it, it puts the uh, the player into the, the standing tackle animation, um, the attacker breezes by them, and it effectively costs them a defender. So that's something that's that's definitely abused and uh, and leads to problems. The other thing is the good old-fashioned being way too aggressive on defence. Um, far too many players tend to go ball hunting with their defenders and effectively start deploying them in, in areas where you should really have your CDMs trying to win the ball. Um, people just get a bit too aggressive. And again, they, they sort of sacrifice defenders. So when they start defending an attack, they've probably got, you know, six players there, the, the four defenders and the two centre mids. And quite often within a within a matter of three or four passes, that that six has been reduced to uh, to three because players are too aggressive. So yeah, without a doubt, they're the two most, uh, most common mistakes. And actually... Uh, the next question is what are the things that you don't see people doing as often as they should when on the offensive? That's a good question. A lot of people are not as patient as they perhaps could be. Um, probably mm. something which is abused in roughly equal amounts as the standing tackle is the through ball. Um, and one-twos, people mm. tend to spam one-twos much to their detriment. People don't think about it Um Quite often what you're doing when you're hitting the one-two, if you're not in the right position, is you're just sacrificing a striker. You're sending him off on a, on a run into the middle of nowhere. Um, he's probably going to end up in an offside position if you can't get the ball to him. Mm. I mean, a, a lot of the game is really being aware of, of positioning. But yeah, that's mm-hmm. it's, I, I, I like to see people... I mean, if, if a counter-attack's there and you can move the ball quickly, great, go for it. But quite often people... They try and force passes that aren't there rather than just being a little bit more patient and working it around. Actually, one of the things that I've just seen just playing people is, and I guess you could somewhat get a payoff in this game, but forcing the ball towards certain positions on the field rather than sort of forcing the ball towards space, basically. Looking at getting it to a specific place as quickly as possible where you think you might be able to get a shot off rather than working space and moving your opponent around. It's kind of what you're saying. A lot of it is habitual. That that's the impression that I often get. And when I talk to mm. people after seeing videos of them playing, you know, they'll say, "Well, yeah, I do. I, I tend to just sort of do that thing without thinking about it. I'll, in a mm. certain situation, I'll play a chip through ball to the winger, and you know, I'll, I'll put a cross in. So they're not really reacting to to what they're seeing in front of them. It's it's more of a uh, a habitual thing, and that's a really easy thing to get into. The way to guard against that is to not get too comfortable with one formation. So. Um, if, if you mm. do sort of become aware that you're maybe doing that a bit, look to switch formation and then uh, then go back to what you're most comfortable with. And uh, Hunter's squad, actually quite interesting because he's got Cancelo in the team playing as a right midfielder, so he can put him into midfield. He's, I'm sure he's a really strong midfielder that team this season, Cancelo. Uh, he's got Red and Yangeland, looks quite nice. It's a nice uh, sort of colour combo, actually. And then Ronaldo, Griezmann and Perisic up front. So, yeah, interesting team. Petit as well. Some quite a few players you don't see very often, and your man Juan Jesus at the back as well. And yeah, another squad submitted Savage Prime. He's incredibly. He's got red champs Ronaldo the ninety nine, which is just yeah. ridiculous. Um, and he's got Son as well. Uh, it's a really nice squad. Uh, he's also got that footspot Fabinho, who's um who must be quite a recent. Addition. Yeah, he's in the uh, the rewards for this year. I think um, I think he's nine foot swaps. If if Savage had saved yeah, yeah. another one, he could have got the prime icon. Yeah, though actually, to be fair, that Fabinho does look does really look nasty. Good. I wouldn't want to play that squad, to be quite honest with you. I'd, I'd get a bit twitchy yeah, if I saw yeah. that squad on the loading screen. And actually, so AS Gurkha is the next squad, and he's in Australia, and I'm in the UK, and we were doing the um, patron tournaments. We matched up in the final, and uh, yeah, he beat me fairly comfortably, to be honest. I 
really struggle to play under really any kind of bad connection. I guess because I like to do skills and stuff, it makes it quite hard to move the ball and kind of pick your moment to do those tough games. He's obviously a, a really good player, though. Take, take nothing away from that. His first team squad is really, really nice. He's got a few players off chem, which I always try to avoid, but got that red team that's season Messi at right wing. Got Vidal and Griezmann. Uh, team of season Ben Yedda. His Ben Yedda was was lethal actually. Uh, it was it was one of those games, you know, when you play in lag and it's kind of like you know running through treacle and every, yeah. you're always just a step behind your opponent. It was it was a tough game. I just want to say that he was a phenomenal player either way. I think he used to be before kind of the foot era. He used to play in sort of a pro scene in Australia. So definitely a bit good of a ringer. And, uh, congrats to him for winning winning the uh, the Patreon tournament. Um, well, he did also enter the Shield um, and he didn't win that, like point out there. Um, <laughs> Who did, Ben? Who? I did. You? <laughs> and we'll come, I think, the uh, the PlayStation winner of both tournaments, so also a very good player, actually posted his squad, so we'll come to that later. Um, but thanks to everyone who played. I really enjoyed playing a lot of you. Maybe uh, Steve will have to enter on PlayStation next time. Uh, let's move on to a question. Ducky Poos says, there doesn't seem to be a definitive guide to all the kind of hidden controls in the game. For example, how much you can affect the goalkeeper diving in foot. Um, how much does changing the save assist settings affect the response? Well, save assist settings are only for manually controlling the keeper in sort of things like pro clubs, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. So that, that won't affect it. But in terms of hidden controls, I know what you mean. There are a lot of settings within that controller settings area which do actually have a big impact. I think that's something that we want to discuss in the future heading into the new game. There are new settings in that menu as well. So we'll definitely want to cover that. He imagined there's a lot going, that goes under the radar in terms of that kind of stuff. And a definitive guide would be really good. And I think that's something we could possibly look to do with the foot information series going into that kind of stuff. Although it does change each year. Let's move on to DJ FIFA player. I almost didn't put his question in because of how many questions he manages to get into the podcast. <laughs> but he wants to know about some tin hat theories. Is there any merit in the theories around dynamic difficulty, scripting, momentum, dynamic pat weights, and Red Salah? Obviously listening to our pod with Nepenthes. <laughs> He's saying also, what do you know about pack weight generally and uh, the calculation and how will this change in FIFA 20? Now, obviously we could do a whole podcast on this stuff. The one thing that I think for me has really confirmed that this stuff doesn't exist is the existence of the competitive scene and despite what everyone says how important it is to EA and also how clearly having better players gets you results and therefore EA in some way restricting your high caliber cards and making them play worse really wouldn't make sense for them if they're trying to encourage you to get players with the best stats possible and, and sort of spend the most on packs so I think in an economic sense it doesn't really make sense and I think from a competitive standpoint, it definitely doesn't make sense. Also, beyond that, EA have ruled out the existence of this and I've asked gameplay producers this repeatedly because everyone always wants to know and they quite clearly deny it. And I think knowing some of those people, just on a personal level, I don't think they'd work for EA if this mechanic was in mm. the game. But yeah, that's just my couple of cents on it. But Steve... Uh, I'd like to agree and at the same time disagree. I think that in online play, it's kind of beyond any doubt that none of this sort of thing happens. I, I think the argument that you've given there is as strong as any. If if lower rated players were given some sort of competitive advantage, then you wouldn't see people like Tex or Dasari rolling up at tournaments with, with 92, 93 rated squads. They'd all be using uh, base gold cards. So that makes a bit of a nonsense of it. Where I disagree is that I am open. Well, I actually believe that dynamic difficulty momentum i have very little doubt that they exist in offline gameplay modes i think anybody who's played squad battles would probably agree with that 
So yeah, in, in online gameplay, I don't think it's a thing, but I'm inclined to believe that it is there um, in the offline gameplay. Mm-hmm. But Just yeah, my opinion. The other thing you asked is about pack weight calculation. Now, pack weights aren't dynamic. It was actually sort of said offic- semi-officially by Corey, who's head of community for FIFA. You could say, well, wouldn't he say that? Of course he would say that. Yeah, yeah, very lawyered up. They're not going to let someone say something like that without it actually being confirmed. Yeah. There is some changing in impact weights because of the fact that they're adding more cards all the time so in that sense your percentage chance of getting certain cards will vary but when a player is put into the game they have a pack weight that's their pack weight it only changes because of the other players coming into packs would change the percentage chance of getting that player basically so it's pretty straightforward so DJ FIFA player, it's a pretty ridiculous squad, isn't it? It's, uh, <laughs> I don't think he needs any FIFA points, so he definitely won't be uh, giving him hmm. them. Uh, he's got Mendy, Mbappe, Griezmann, Pogba. Those are the two of the footies, actually. Uh, and then you've got Pele, the 98, Hullet, 99, Ronaldo, uh, Cancelo, Van Dijk, Maldini, and Edison as well. Now, DJ FIFA player has a ridiculous fitness, I mean, multiple fitness squads. I feel like there are a few SBCs this year he didn't complete. He also really likes the uh, an El Tornado cross. You can tell from that team. I think he's playing Ronaldo on the wing. So, uh, mm. <laughs> uh, and then we've actually got one from a familiar face around these parts, or voice anyway, Ian Sterling, who has actually a pretty unique squad. I mean, he's obviously not playing this formation in game, but he's got Ronaldo, Emre Chan, Royce, the 94. He's got Nedved moments George Best and actually closer which is an interesting one and he's also got Thiago Silva and the flashback Danny Alves so it's it's quite an interesting is, team quite yeah, different that, there's some creativity um, in putting that together isn't it yeah yeah and it's it looks I mean it's got some very effective players in there surely he can do you know, better than once to watch Alice and in goal come on you can do better than closer surely closer yeah it's got to be a better option but yeah I guess it needs to be an attacking player there aren't that many good attacking German icons so yeah he is a, I mean, closer is a true legend as well. He's, he's got the token Scotsman um, in there anyway, if nothing else. Yeah. <laughs> and a team called Edinburgh as well. There we go. Um, obviously being from Edinburgh. Question. So Fox asks, I have two questions for both Steve and Ben. What's your best and worst moments of FIFA 19 and why? And he also asks, what do you think is the most important thing for players to be focusing on in the first few weeks of FIFA 20? We're going to skip over the FIFA 20 question because we'll definitely get to that before. But in terms of best and worst moments... Um, in FIFA 19 did you have a particular moment I mean probably completing flashback storage well yeah but I I mean yeah as I said earlier storage has been kind of surpassed um, in terms of disappointment by flashback Rabio. I know a lot of people don't share that opinion actually so that's probably Mm. a little bit controversial but at at least I got Mm. a few goals with storage Um, when the finesse meta was there he he was pretty handy if I just stuck him out on the uh, the right hand side but yeah Rabio was the biggest disappointment Probably my best moment was giving a good spanking to to one of my pals, Matt, who is kind of on the verge of being a pro. He was in the (laughs) States, and I'm over here. There was lag and delay. And he could probably give you a million good excuses as to why he got thumped that way. But yeah, I I was quite happy with (laughs) it. So my best moment, definitely, just because I have to keep saying this, getting elite in like, I don't know, it was October or something. First elite of the year and was pretty exciting. Did require a lot of finesse shots which were slightly broken at the time and perhaps I was early to realise that they were broken. So I don't know. I've got elite since, so probably being a bit harsh on myself. But the worst moment was definitely, I don't know, I guess after the finesse shot patch, maybe a month or so, a couple of weeks after that, and uh, someone scored like two or three El Tornado crosses on me and Oof. I was like, 
this is uh, how it's going to go for the rest of the mm. game, isn't it? And that was that was pretty frustrating. But yeah, uh, let's move on to Hickers, who has a really interesting squad, actually. It's um, a 3-4-2-1. He's got Promez, the footies card. He's got Eusebio, footies Hazard. Got Pogba, Figo, Balak, Ronaldinho. Centre-back, he's got Edmund Latau, Van Dijk and David Luiz. So it's a really nice um, combination of different players. Relatively unique. And he was saying he stopped a little while ago, so he hasn't actually ended up trying Hazard, but he really likes playing the 3-4-1-2, and he has Dino and Cam, and he kind of runs the show. And uh, what he asks is, do you guys play or coach football in real life? If so, what positions do you play? Or if you don't now, like Steve, you're you know into retirement, have you in the past? Yeah, I used to play a lot um, when I was younger. My career probably went the same way as quite a few others. Certainly the more mature listeners who've played football might be able to relate. I started out as a striker. Um, when the legs went a little bit I retired back into midfield by the time I was ready to be uh, wheeled out of the club I ended up playing centre-back so uh, yeah I can, I can relate to uh, to most positions So I haven't actually played football that much in a sort of full pitch context I mainly play five a side when I play football so I guess when I did play a bit of 11 a side and again it was pretty casual I was playing right wing but when I but I'm not actually that quick and when I was playing five aside I'd always play up front roughly um, or as a forward but I actually mainly play as we discussed before strangely got into it through Arsenal community program play field hockey which actually has the same basically the same positioning as football and I play as like either a kind of Gennaro Gattuso role which is why I have the beard obviously uh-huh. or confusingly as like a in the hole behind the attackers the one thing I don't like doing is playing out wide because then you have to do loads of running so I'm- I'm just thinking about it, actually. Ironically, Ben, I suppose if I had to compare myself to a a real in-life player, it probably would be Chris Sutton. (laughs) The sort of, the big sort of, quite happy to get stuck in there, throw the odd elbow, (laughs) playing up front, playing at the back. Yeah, probably probably another similarity with Chris Sutton there. There we go. And so, yeah, yeah, Hickett, I think that was a pretty good question. I I feel like with the combination of the question and the interesting squad, I think the some FIFA points maybe in his direction. What do you think? I think he's certainly got a strong case there. Yeah, it's uh, it's not the kind of squad you'd see every day. I like that he's happy to go with Hazard on seven chem. I think at this stage of the game, you know, if you're playing a, playing somebody at seven chem, isn't the end of the world with those kind of stats. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that sort of compensates for it. I'd definitely say that he's in for a shout there. But or I don't know. Again, we've got Allison in goal there, so that would be my only concern. <laughs> we'll put him down for now. Maybe he gets knocked off the list. We'll You're on the shortlist, tickers. Yeah, yeah. So precise Dom P has uh, a nice endgame squad in four one two one two brackets two, and he's saying Pele is criminally underrated. I think that's something that actually DJ FIFA player who was uh, we talked about earlier. His squad also had ninety eight Pele. Agrees with that. Um, I heard a few people say that people don't use Pele enough, or you don't see him in enough teams. Um, I guess just because the the sort of size matter, which we'll probably discuss. I think there's a question about it later. And uh, he's also saying Bale's really underrated. So he's got Bale, Hazard, Pele, Pogba. And uh, the classic Vieira Hlit combo, Maldini, actually Schmeichel, who a few people I know who listen to the mm. podcast have and really rate. Um, he's actually got really strong reactions. He's, he should be a pretty, pretty good keeper. He's got red foot champs. Dumfries is a pretty popular player, actually, um, with a lot of people. It's a pretty strong, pretty pretty good squad. And uh, I think I think it'd be quite good. I don't really rate Bale, to be honest, even that card, um, which is the 92 uh, nominee card. But actually, talking about the 4 one 2 2 brackets 2, which has come up a lot, I have this theory about the 4 one 2 brackets 2. Now, Steve, 
Would you agree that it is a pretty limited formation, actually? Yeah, you, you, you're just pinging short passes through the middle. Um, you're not really using any width in it. That's where I would say it's limited. And you, you're kind mm-hmm. of attacking with three, possibly four players all the time. Yeah, so I've got a theory as to why it's so popular. But look, I've mastered the podcasting. I'm going to leave it on a cliffhanger and we're going to go for a break. Ooh. And in this break, we're going to have some beer. Let's do that. You'll be keen to know, as a listener, we've partnered up with Beer52 to give you a free case of craft beers. Just go to beer52.com slash foot to claim a free case. Beer52 is the world's most popular monthly craft beer discovery club. It searches out incredible and exclusive small batch craft beers from some of the world's greatest breweries and brings them back for their members. Your first case will be beers from throughout Europe. And if you order within the next two weeks, you'll get an extra two beers, which means you get 10 beers, a snack, and a copy of Ferment Magazine for just $4.95 postage, and it's next day delivery. And Steve, they were generous enough to send us out craft beers on the last occasion that they sponsored the podcast, and you were the lucky recipient that time because I was in the US. And I think one of the ones you had, which I was enjoying yesterday, the Freedom of Movement Black Lager. (laughs) I wondered if that was another age-related question, Ben. Yeah, I did did get freedom of movement. Um, (laughs) Let me think. United we stand. Mango milkshake. Yeah. Yeah, it sounds like the same sort of thing. Yeah, my personal favourite was actually that mango milkshake one, which is really good. I enjoyed that one, yeah. Mm, All all really good. There'll be something for everyone. If you do take advantage of this beer offer, obviously you need to be in the UK, then let us know how you found the beer, which one you enjoyed most. Try that first case for free at beer52. That's beer52.com slash foot. Cases usually cost £24, there's no catch, but if you want terms, you can go to beer52.com for more details, 18 plus only, and please drink responsibly. Right, 41212. My theory is that it's actually very effective against the 4231. Actually, I think someone is going to ask later in these questions what you'd recommend to combat the 4231, and the 41212 brackets do, information is actually pretty effective, especially if the person's playing relatively expansive and the space is opening up in the middle, can be quite effective and I think the reason why so many people play the 4-1-2-1-2 is because so many people play the 4-2-3-1 and so it might be that people's views on that formation and its sort of success are slightly skewed by playing people playing the 4-2-3-1 and having success against them because whenever I come up against formation I actually find it quite easy if you switch to three at the back so I think it's one of those formations that is very effective against certain formations you can counteract it quite easily i would really recommend anyone who likes that formation to have other formations up their sleeve right yeah i, I agree with what you say there ben the 41212 narrow is useful against the 42312 but you do have to make sure that you've got your midfielders right you obviously want that cdm to sit on the uh, the cam in the 4231 but you also need mm-hmm. two cms who are capable of going up and down the pitch because they're going to have to track back and pick up the uh, the lamb and the ram yeah the exactly yeah that, that is the point right but let's move on to another question. The big ticket says he uses Japes 4231 brackets 2, for throwback, it's been a while. And he's got a really nice team because he's got Red Hazard on the left and Red was Mandembele on the right, three icons in the center, and Ronaldo up front. Quite a nice kind of combination of, of colors as well in there. And he's got Davinson Sanchez footies, who I don't see very oh. often, but is a fantastic player if you look at his stats. He's a good player. He also says, after the cup, Ben posted something about how he feels he has similar ability to other sort of top players in the Discord, but we don't put enough thought into the team when it comes to picking the right mix of players and using the right tactics, and that gives him an edge. This leads me into my question. How do you and Steve experiment with different tactics, formations, and players, and work rates to know what works best? 
Okay, um, personally, and I think I may have mentioned this in the last pod, I think Nepenthes also does this. I tend to spend a lot of time going up against the AI early on in the game, based on the idea, basically, that the, the AI is controlling 10 players at any given time. So if you can figure out what the AI is overpowered against and what it struggles against, that's a good way of, of figuring out um, which formations are useful, which ones aren't. Work rates... That is just something that I think once you understand work rates, you kind of know who you're looking for and what you're going to get from them with the work rates. Again, something that we've discussed at great depth in, in previous pods. And then it's just a case of, of really just getting into rivals and uh, sucking it and seeing, really. Just uh, get it out there, give it mm. a go and uh, learn on the fly to an extent, I guess. Yeah, I agree. I think I tend to just go in and play online games and, and see what happens. And I think it's not necessarily always most effective because you're thinking a lot about whether you're going to get the result and maybe aren't being so experimental. Whereas I think the pressure's slightly off. You can pause it. You can have a look around, look at your team, the way it's yeah. set up, the way that the shape works. You can spot the runs of players. The AI is also very efficient. So <laughs> it, uh, it is a challenge in its own right. So I, yeah, I think that's actually a, a good idea and something that I think I might do a bit more if I play squad battles early on um, in FIFA 20. I think also there's, I don't know, personally, obviously, I've been playing the game for quite a while. And in the same way that I know a player that I'm playing against might know the exact moment to time a pass or the various intricacies of the game itself. Well, that should also be the case for your kind of appreciation of the more tactical side of the game. You know, if you see situations over and over, you start to realise, right, this is what I need to do in this situation. Yeah. I mentioned this before, but having a look from things like goal kicks, free kicks to see what formation your opponent's playing and whether they're playing a formation that's going to be detrimental to your particular setup at that time is really important. Because if you're playing the narrow formation, for example, and your opponent switches to a three at the back or a formation that's going to cause you problems, you really need to be aware of that. It can totally shift the the sort of dynamic of a game if, if an opponent makes a successful tactical switch. So I think that, yeah, it's all about seeing situations and seeing setups and thinking, what can I try and use to counteract the situation? And it's interesting because people often say, well, I don't change tactics, just continue on with the same tactic. But if you're doing that, you're never going to be able to beat a player who's better than you. One thing that I can say for myself, even though I might not be a phenomenal player, is that I regularly will beat players who are better than me at the game because of how I've set up tactically. There's no reason why people who are listening to the podcast can't also do that. And I think that's really important. And again, you know, whether it's your coaching Steve or your tactics that you come up with, there are lots of ways to get knowledgeable about these things without having to play the game loads. Yeah, I mean, that's that's first-class advice that you've given there, Ben. Um, I'd second every word of that. A lot of it, you know, yeah, as, as you're kind of adverting to there, a lot of it is is just stuff that you can figure out on paper as well, just from having some sort of knowledge of of how tactics do apply and, and are applied in, in real life. And there's actually a book that I'd recommend for anybody who, who's interested in finding out a bit more about this. Um, it's called Inverting the Pyramid by Jonathan Wilson. Um, I think we may both mm -hmm. have read it, actually. But it's yeah, it, it basically yeah. gives a history of how um, football tactics have evolved since the, the game was first invented and how um, when the game first came came into being, the, the tactical setup appeared like a, an inverted Christmas tree. With, with five players playing up front it's sort of it's changed through the ages to become the exact opposite hence inverting the pyramid <laughs> yeah. so yeah um, I'd recommend that to anybody who wants to get into tactics and get a, a better understanding of mm. uh, of what systems work against other systems um, but yeah that, exactly what you said there Ben great advice 
And the big ticket also has a squad that he's sent us, which is quite fun. He's got, I think, seven five-star skillers in it, which is pretty good. I think he's also got that Ebra for birthday card at centre-back. And it's uh, it's actually not the worst. I think it's on full chem, like squad chem. He's got quite a few players on seven, though. But yeah, it's quite fun. Three, uh, four, two, one formation. So yeah. Tim that. Howard in goal. The, the big ticket must be American Tim. to have Tim Howard in goal. <laughs> but also, I guess he gets seven chem to... Uh, Ibra. Uh-huh. Right, let's get on to another question then. David H, who described himself as a proud patron, which is always nice, got in touch via email, has a number of questions actually. How would you design a chemistry style system and how big would the boost be? How easy would it be to get the full boost? Would you change the chemistry styles or do you think the system is fine the way it is? I can answer that really quickly. I'd get rid of the chemistry style system altogether. I'd keep chemistry in the game, but I'd get rid of chemistry mm. boosts. I, um, I'd rather keep it real. Keep it real, kids. Well, it, I feel like we might have to do a debate on chemistry at some point because it's quite an interesting topic. Mm. But I personally think that it's okay how it is. I'd probably make a few changes. But I do think, I do enjoy chemistry. I think squad building should always be an important part of Ultimate Team. If they remove chemistry, people think that that would increase squad diversity, but I actually think it would make it worse. But we can talk about that another time because it would take a whole podcast. And uh, another question he asks is, you've got 100k to spend in the early stages, which position would you spend the most money on if you're looking for a competitive team? I would most certainly distribute it amongst the spine of the team. So I'd make sure that I've got a mm-hmm. decent striker, decent centre mid, decent centre back and decent goalkeeper. And it's actually one of those things where those players tend to be a bit more expensive. Not so much goalkeepers, but you know, a good striker, good central midfielder tend to be on the more expensive end because people will spend their money on those positions. Is there anything you'd like to see added to custom tactics, player instructions, you know, fine-tuning, where to make runs, those kind of things? I think we can both say there's loads of stuff that we'd like I, yeah, added. Yeah, I think that's another um, separate podcast, isn't and it? And <laughs> a question actually about how to start FIFA 20, so we'll move on from that. And the other one is, how many player SBCs will Steve have completed by October? Oh God, who knows? Not as many as this year. <laughs> yeah, see whether you've learned your lesson or you get tempted again. It's all really good questions. I feel like we could even make a podcast on what the sort of tactic should be from a squad building perspective in the early stages of FIFA. I'd, so, I'd, I'd certainly tune into that. Yeah, yeah you certainly need it. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that could be, uh, uh, yeah, all great questions, actually. I think he's definitely um, on the list of potential FIFA point receivers at this point. And then... Another squad, Moose1991, with a particularly outstanding squad. You know, he's got Eusebio again. Interestingly, though, he's got Alaba, the footies version in Cam. Great player. Good card. He's, he's a really good card. And actually, uh, Henri and Vieira, and he's saying, for someone who disliked Arsenal in the 90s to, to the noughties, Vieira and Henri were a blast to play with. I always find it, I quite enjoy that when someone um, ends up playing with players that they hated find them really amazing and, and, and they become sort of a cult hero for them i've actually i've had the misfortune over the past few days because of one of the uh, the weekly objectives to score is it 12 goals with english players i had mm. lone prime shearer in my squad and obviously yeah, yeah. As people will know i'm a sunderland fan shearer has the obvious more than a connection <laughs> to newcastle i don't have a particularly dislike for, for Newcastle but I've got to say Prime Shearer I can't remember is he 92 93 rated or something I've never come across such a bad card with, with that kind of rating mm. what a terrible terrible card if, if anybody was there an SBC for him if anybody did do an SBC or or sunk any kind of unrecoverable coins into Shearer I feel bad for you <laughs> it's a terrible card oh yeah we, I mean we mentioned last week with the sort of unusable English striker situation that we're hoping doesn't get worse with Ian Wright's arrival I guess you in some ways will have not so good icons it's just part of having icons but 
Yeah, it's frustrating, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Next one, Sterling Sheep 81 with a really footies heavy squad, actually. He's got footies Pogba, footies Griezmann, footies Milinkovic Savic, footies Rick Arlison, footies Walker. So a really a squad that's been presumably significantly helped by the footies promo, which is quite nice. I think I think footies promo has been great for people kind of polishing off those teams. And he was saying he had his best start ever in weekend league. He went eight and one, um, but he couldn't bring himself to grind further. I think at this stage, uh, a little bit of fatigue yeah. sets in, if you like. Next one, Libro 7017. And the thing I actually really like about the squad is uh, the manager. He's using a bronze manager. A hugely underrated tactic for me. I nice. spend much less on contracts. I think there's something a bit unexpected about having a bronze manager in your in your squad. Very so hipster. Something a bit left field. But yeah, it's a really nice squad. He's got Oar, he's got Oar. Pepe, yeah, everyone's favourite pirate. Lacazette, Aubameyang, Redfoot Champs Hazard. Uh, it's, it's a really good 3-4-2-1 squad. And uh, he asked, who was your favourite sort of early game changer player? Who got you through the first couple of weekend leagues? Did you have a player in the early days of last year that was particularly? I'm trying to remember, and to be quite honest with you, I'm struggling a bit. But generally mm. speaking, and I'm pretty sure it was the case this year. Over the past two, maybe even three FIFAs, a player that I've relied on really heavily at the beginning is good old Wissam Ben Yedder. Um, he's normally pretty reliable mm. up front there, and normally quite cheap. And Patsriz throws his squad into the mix as a squad. Every midfielder has five-star week for every attacker has five-star week for and Mendy, obviously, at left-back as well, okay. which is uh, really nice. He was saying it gives us a lot less to to think about offensively, which makes sense, right? You're never thinking, I need to bring my player onto, onto their stronger foot. Right, we are tight for time now, so we're going to really power through these questions. Um, Broadfield is basically saying, would you choose to upgrade your team slowly or more quickly? Because it does take time to get to know your players, Steve. Yeah, I tend to, um, I'm not a big fan of sticking with the same players for too long because I think it can get stale. So I like to, I'll throw in a few changes quite early and quite quickly, but at the same time, mm. you've got to keep an eye on the, on the bigger picture and make sure that you've still got enough coins kicking around to, to do a bit of trading, keeping an eye on what you want to achieve come sort of, I don't know, April, May. Yeah. If you use a certain player a lot, certainly in the early game, you get very used to the game according to that player, if that makes sense. So I think it becomes less of a problem the more you get into a game. Right, what grade would you give FIFA 19? Just really quickly give me a, a number, six. Steve. I'd probably give it a 6.5. How are the chickens doing? Yeah, the chickens. I haven't really seen them much since I let them out of the, the coop this morning. I've heard a few clucks, a few cock doodle doos So I assume that all is well in the chicken world. No reason to think otherwise, <laughs> really. Nice. And uh, this one from Marcus again. What feature from 19 did they get bang on and we should keep in 20? I'd probably. I can't think of any off the top of my head, but I'm sure they're there. That That's not much of an answer. I'm sorry. Second man press, perhaps. I think that's pretty well tuned this year. Yeah, yeah, that's a fair point. Um, I'll, I'll take that. Do you think straight dribbling will be the new Lacroqueta kind of OP mechanic next year? I think it will be a important feature. Let's say that much. And so Oscar via Twitter sends in a squad with the likes of Amiang, um, Royce, Havertz, um, very nice team. And uh, he asks, in terms of squad building and management, what changes would you like to see? Would you like to see the removal of fitness and reintroduction of morale, for example? Hmm. The removal of fitness is quite an interesting one because all it really does is just drain you of coins, isn't it, really? And time. Yeah. And time, yeah. So I can definitely see an argument for that. Um Cam with mm, they need some pack filler. That's the problem, isn't it? Well, that's it. Yeah, there's got to be something in there, I guess. Um, unless they're just the uh, the pack dynamics, I suppose. 
Mm. Chem, we kind of covered. Um, morale, don't really see a need for it. Um, I think we're good with what we've yeah, got, really. Yeah, I wouldn't want to see that again. No. Final squad, I realise actually we didn't get to every single squad, but it has been quite a lot of uh, squads and questions to get through. Um, so the last one, Joey Hugudrin, um, he's Dutch, so I definitely butchered that. I think um, that was absolutely spot on, actually. Yeah, perfect. Um, lovely team. But then he has 87 Del Piero, and he's got the likes of Cruyff, Madhouse, Vieira, and I was wondering why he had the 87. And he said he's got Del Piero because it's a big meme in the Netherlands, and I was wondering okay. why that was. And anyway, he replied saying that the reason why he has Del Piero is because there's a big YouTuber, a Dutch YouTuber, who has ridiculous nicknames for his players and calls him Del Porno. So there we go. Fair enough. And uh, I think on that, we're probably ready to end this week's podcast. <laughs> it feels a shame not to get through every single squad and question that was submitted. We tried our best, but we do have limited time for the podcast. I tell you what, if you didn't get your question answered, just reply to our tweet out of this podcast, which you'll find on at Foot Weekly Pod, and I'll try and reply to as many questions as possible. So Steve, thank you very much for wrapping up FIFA 19 with a bit of question time and sharing some squads. Really good fun. I enjoyed it. It's good to uh, cast my mind back through uh, some, some memories good and bad of FIFA 19. Enjoyed it. Thanks very much. And so we'll just pop off and decide who should win that little FIFA point starter pack to head into the new game. And on that, we conclude our coverage of FIFA 19. Thank you very much for joining us. It has been incredible. And I'd like to thank every single listener for making Foot Weekly such a big success this year. And particularly those who've come on board as patrons who are really allowing the podcast to go from strength to strength and me to put in so much more time into it than I've ever been able to before. And also a thank you to Foothead and of course, those icon patrons. Alistair, Alan M, Anthony R, Chris W, Dan W, Darren W, Dave B, Dom, Gabe N, Hunter B, Johan P, Mark A, Martin M, Vincent A, Matt H, Matt L, Paul, Rob P, Roger DC, Sam M, Savage P, Stephen M, and Tyler M. And so winning the 2200 FIFA points are David H and Hickers. Get in touch the way you submit your squad or question and I'll get those to you ASAP. And in other prize news, congratulations to the winners of the Foot Weekly Cup and the Foot Weekly Shield. The winner on Xbox of the Foot Weekly Cup was uh, me and the runner-up in the Foot Weekly Shield uh, was also me. So I'm going to put the prize money back into the podcast, going to do a a nice rebrand. But there were, of course, other winners. The winner of the Shield on the Xbox side was AS Gurkha and the runner-up of the Cup on the Xbox side was Gabe. And then on the PlayStation side, the winner of both competitions was Pat's Riz and the runner-up was Ducky Poos. Thanks for joining us for FIFA 19 and we'll see you next time. Lowe's, we know you can get the job done faster if you don't have to stop and come into the store all the time. That's why we've updated our app with your business in mind. With the app, you can build quotes, easily reorder your supplies, track orders, and much more. So you can get everything you need right away, stay on the job, finish it, and get started on the next one. Download the app today, because Lowe's knows time is money. Lowe's knows pros. Social Podcast Network. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. 
This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. <laughs> 